powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. In the same way that the Canadians did not deserve two points against the Calgary Flames in their last outing, uh, they absolutely did deserve two points in this one. The Edmonton Oilers were the Montreal Canadiens of this game, for lack of a better analogy. They had no business winning that one and were absolutely gifted this win. But part of that is on the officials and part of that is on players like Josh Anderson <laughs> making that terrible play to create a McDavid goal uh, late in the third period. Let's just get into it on this one. Uh, we've got a good show for you today because Laura's here, uh, the active stick on Twitter, obviously follow her there. We're going to have fun. Obviously, the Canadians didn't uh, pull through in this one, even though it, it felt like they would. But in the third period, apparently the whistles went away and nothing's a penalty anymore after everything was a penalty in the first 40. Interesting. Interesting. I don't want to hear Oilers fans complain about officials for a very long time. All right. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet with sports interaction, whether it's the World Cup, which is getting real exciting now in the round of 16, hockey, football, or basketball, sports interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, I'm going to welcome in my guest now, Laura Saba. How are you, Laura? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be back. I love being on this show all the time. I know. I love having you on. I mean, we've known each other forever now and uh, <laughs> not giving away our, our ages, but it's, it's always fun to hook back up with you on these kinds of shows and go on your show, Locked on Canadians, for those who don't know. Follow them on Twitter and everywhere you can get your podcasts and on YouTube, of course. Great show with uh, Scott Matla, who's also a great friend. But uh, Montreal Canadiens, obviously... Um, you know, we're not in a really a, in a position watching this team thinking they need to get two points every night. But <clears throat> when you watch a team basically get trounced at even strength in the Edmonton Oilers and then get handed a bunch of power plays in a game where they're not controlling the puck at all, and then, you know, Joel Edmondson loses his mind and decides he's going to cross-check Zach Hyman in the head and get tossed from the game and give <laughs> them a five-minute major penalty, you kind of want to see the Canadians dig themselves out of that, and they were unable to. So that's a little bit disappointing just from like a, a narrative of the game standpoint. But overall, uh, the Canadians outplaying the Oilers in Edmonton is not a bad thing. I would absolutely agree with you. First of all, isn't he supposed to be like the team dad now? That is yep. terrible behavior. That is a terrible example to set for everybody else on that team. Uh, also, hope Zach Hyman is okay. I do believe he's had he's had hits to the head before. There have been issues on that front. But at the, at the same time, I think the Canadians doing that is it's it's encouraging to us because. The last few games, and I said it on, on our podcast on Lockdown Canadians, I said that, that I wasn't pleased with the way the Canadians have played the last five or six games. I would say, I mean, they played well against Columbus, but and they play, they also played well against the Sharks, even though they got shut out. But I've I felt that, you know, that that resiliency that, that they were showing earlier on in the season, even though sometimes they were getting outplayed, they were finding creative ways to win. I was starting to get disappointed because I wasn't seeing a whole lot of that. But seeing the shot metrics, just, just like the, the underlying numbers overall at even strength tonight um, is very, very encouraging. Like I, I think that the Oilers have issues. And with any team that has issues... When you're a team like the Canadians, you're not that great. You kind of have to exploit whatever weaknesses they have. And you kind of have to take advantage of every single opportunity. Unfortunately, it looks like all the opportunities went Edmonton's way in this game. And, and I think, you know, again, we don't want those two points. Like, I'm more interested in how each player is playing. I'm more interested in how the rookies are playing. I'm more interested game by game if Caden Gooley's getting better, if Arbor Jackeye's contributing, if you know Cole Caulfield is getting closer to 40 points in a, 40 goals in a season, if Nick Suzuki is like improving his defensive game to match the offensive game he's had, if Kirby Dock is e either complementing that line or becoming a better center to be moved back down to the second. All of that stuff. I mean, 
obviously I don't want to break up that line just yet, but I'm looking at the long term, right? Every single game I'm watching this season, I'm taking it with the view of the long term. So I think sometimes it gets a little bit frustrating because we're getting bogged down in what the veterans are bringing or not bringing. And for me, I want to see better play as a whole. I want to see better strategy. I want to see the little things improve. I want to see the transition improve. I want to see, you know, the power play obviously improve from being in the toilet, all of that stuff. That's what I'm looking for game by game. So I can't be as much as it's frustrating when the officials kind of hand opportunities to the other team. I can't be disappointed with the Canadians effort tonight, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it does make sense. And, you know, I, that resiliency that we talk about, it's tough to maintain that for 82 games, right? It's such a delicate balance to try to find that last extra gear in the last half of the, the third period kind of thing, right? And, and engineer comebacks out of nothing, especially when outside of the top line and Sean Monaghan, no one is really creating offense consistently on the Canadians, especially now that Mike Hoffman's out. You know, the moment he started to do that, and Brendan Gallagher is out too, like two-thirds of the second line is gone, and the person that's left is Christian Dvorak. And no offense to Christian Dvorak, but every time I watch him, my takeaway is he's a guy. That's it. Like, he's just a guy. He's there. Um, <laughs> Trezek says, Laura, killing create. it with the lip shade as always, by the way. <laughs> oh my god thank you <laughs> I, I reapplied before uh coming online this is one of my favorite shades it's literally sitting here um i'll put in the comments after what it is because they don't pay for game over so i'm not giving them free advertising <laughs> there you go if you want to sponsor laura's lip shades on the next time that she's on game over hit us up makeup companies <laughs> uh there was a couple comments here i wanted to just point out before we get too far in uh there was uh i think it was Trizak as well saying that uh, hard to deserve two points when you give the opposing team that much power play time. I think that's partially true, but there were like the Kirby Doc penalty on McDavid. Yeah, it was a penalty in that he held out his arm, but I don't think holding out your arm makes you swan dive into the ice. So calling McDavid for a couple of his egregious dives tonight, which I get, like I'm not blaming McDavid because I know that he has not drawn calls to the level that he should as Connor McDavid in the NHL, but it was egregious tonight how bad he was diving. It was gross. It was level? Oh, yes. Yes. Actually, that was like <laughs> four people commented when I said McDavid dove, and they were like, that was Stutzla-like. It's like, <laughs> my brand is strong. But uh, I know that uh, Miss Epica was saying, like, Suzuki at one point grabs the puck while on the penalty kill and, like, throws it down the ice. And... <laughs> She says it was low-key hilarious. I think it was high-key hilarious, even though it caused a goal against and a five-on-three. I thought it was hilarious. We need it, we need a meme for that. We do. I mean, we, I think that was one of those moments where the Canadians felt the officiating was going against them, and it was a moment of frustration. The thing is, when you're the captain, you can't really do that. You can't pull that, right? Because it Listen, doesn't look bad. Listen, Nick Suzuki is not perfect. No. He's no one is. perfect except for that. <laughs> that is his one flaw was throwing the puck down the ice and losing his cool there the thing is i like i appreciate his intensity though and i understand this is i'm coming from i'm a habs fan i'm a huge nick suzuki homer i love him all of that but like yeah it was hilarious but like you can't fault him for getting frustrated you want him to have that intensity every game and he's usually so calm like once in a while you got to do a thing that makes people pay attention, right? And and for me, I, I think that makes people pay attention. That shows how egregious the officiating is. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't think the Canadians took a penalty after that, I think. I could be wrong, but I think that was the end of it, right? And then, the you know, obviously, the Oilers also got away with a ton, right? Because they were defending the entire game at even strength. And, you know, like in the third period, they were like hook and hold in tripping everything they could possibly do to hold back the Canadians attack. And at one point, you know, uh, Darnell nurse while the Canadians are on the power play slashes Suzuki stick out of his hands right in front of the officials and then turns around, gets the puck and wires it off of the, uh, the center board. So like he gets a penalty for delay of game, but they ignore the slash because couldn't There's give somebody an extra delay. five on three as if you'd just done it to the other team. <laughs> It's just the whole thing is, is just so stupid. It's so NHL, right? 
it's not even about like wins or losses or like one team deserves or the other team deserves. It's just annoying to watch garbage like that happen and and know that it happens night in and night out. Exactly right? to every team. Compl- exactly, and we've been complaining about it for years, and it does not get better. It just gets worse. Like that's the problem for me. I think that's the issue. It's like, and it, it's fun, right? Like it, I feel like it's cathartic after the game to come online and kind of talk about this kind of stuff and point out like you know all the really annoying things or try to figure out what goaltender interference is. Although I know tonight. We want to log off before, you know, 2 a.m. So we can't really talk about goaltender interference. But, you know, all that kind of stuff, it, it just, it it gets worse. And I understand the difficulty of finding good officials. Like, start a school. You know what I mean? You're the NHL. Yeah, you're you're having trouble finding. Start your own freaking school. Do something. <laughs> oh, Noel says, uh, Jack Eifer called her because he's an X-Factor. I think Steve is selling Maddie Beneers a little short there. Uh I think he's I think, got that yeah. pretty well wrapped up. I mean, obviously there's a lot of season left, but he's been unbelievably incredible for the Kraken. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like Scott said that Matty Beneers is going to win the Calder. Like, like it was last season that he said this and people are like, Oh, what about this? What about that? I'm like, I'm, it pains me to admit that Scott is right, but he's yeah. right. He was right all along. He knew first. I mean, he's got, I guess, I don't know who Wyatt Johnston is, but uh, he's the only person who has scored more than half of the goals that Matty Beneers has scored. Among Isn't rookies. he the guy who played like the Captain America nobody liked in, in, in that Marvel show? No, that's Wyatt Russell, because he's Kurt <laughs> Russell's son. But he's, he plays for the Dallas Stars. I've never heard of him, but he has seven goals this year in 24 games. Nice. That's pretty decent, but Beneers has got 21 points in 23 games, 10 goals. Like, that's... He's got no, he's, a, a he's real good phenomenal. head start. There's also guys like Cole Perfetti. And, you know, it's not like uh, Jack Eye is playing top minutes on this team, right? Although I thought Jack Eye actually had a fantastic game tonight. And, he's uh, the, played mostly well. Yeah. The underlying numbers actually were great for him as well tonight. Uh, Mike Matheson was incredible uh, tonight. He was really, really, really strong until the net was empty. And then he made like four straight really bad mistakes. And you're like, I guess he's just a little bit tired. I don't know how many minutes he played, but it seemed like he was always on the ice well, creating with that, with a Edmondson, ton of offense. Yeah. Without Edmondson. I mean, um, I think that's the thing is that Jack Eye is a fun story for us, but Matty Beneers, like, you know, Habs fans, we're going to see him this week on Tuesday. Whoever, I think it's Tuesday, whoever's going to stay up until the butt crack of dawn. Mark, and, and not me. This team. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. You get the seniority, you get those earlier games. Uh, but, I, I have I the mean, kids. That's the difference. <laughs> I, uh, you know, on Locked On Canadians, we will be up until the butt crack of dawn uh, re- recapping that game for you. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to see him. But that's the thing. It's like if you look at the Canadians and you look at, you know, good stories, I think Bathurst is also one of them. It, it was hard for him to come back from injury. We argued that he should have had a conditioning stint before he came back. But it seems like, you know, a couple of weeks later, it seems like he's working it out. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. I'm getting cautioned by Penguins fans that he's like sort of he has like a good stretch and then a bad stretch. But I hope that Martin St. Louis is able to manage him in such a way where he's able to stay consistent. Probably not if he plays as much as he played tonight. But um, I, I'm so encouraged by this because when he was when he was in Pittsburgh, he really turned things around. He really found his game and it's good to see that it wasn't a flash in the pan year, right? That to me is, is the encouraging thing. Cause I was very nervous when he got back and we did attribute to some of it to, you know, coming back from injury. So hopefully he stays, you know, he stays healthy and he stays consistent because he's somebody that I like seeing on this team. I enjoy watching him. Yeah, I do too. He like, he's so smooth with the puck. It, it's really incredible. And the gap between him and every other defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens in terms of exiting the zone and creating transition into the offensive zone is is very wide. I mean, just saying the words exiting the zone to me. I mean, before you even get to transition, exiting the zone has been a huge chore for the Canadians this season. It's been rough. It was rough last year, but it, it's been rough this year. So just the fact that he's able to generate that and participate in any kind of transition, that's a step above what we've seen for a long time. All right, uh, we're going to talk about some of the negative stuff from this game, and we're going to talk about some possible trades uh, coming up here because it seems like Kent Hughes is working the phones lately, according to the rumors. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, I have to tell everybody that if you're enjoying the show, please hit like 
on this video. It helps us grow the show. And I got to tell you guys, the YouTube algorithm changed recently and it screwed us over. Apparently a lot of kids were streaming some games that they shouldn't have been streaming and YouTube got some pressure from game developers to stop promoting live videos. So they stopped promoting live videos <laughs> and they also made some switches on the on the back end of like channel pages where videos and live videos are separate now so you won't see game over stuff show up on the SDPN channel unless you click live. So that's another barrier to people finding our stuff. We have playlists of course, but it's harder and harder for people to find these shows on YouTube. So click like, click subscribe, ring the bell so that people know that when our shows are coming out, you get the little reminder. And uh, share on your social media. Tell your friends that are Canadians fans about the show. Or hey, if you're fans of other Canadian teams, tell them about the Game Over shows in those markets as well. It helps us out. We're trying to do something original here. And also, uh, big media companies are trying to steal our idea. I noticed this year that a certain uh, SN company started a post-game streaming show about the Maple Leafs. So, uh, yeah, seems like it was a good idea, but others are trying to step on us. Let's not let them. All right, uh, I wanted to talk. There was a question here that leads into exactly what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Miss Epica says, what are your thoughts on Anderson creating that turnover leading to the McDavid goal? And Martin St. Louis putting him in the last minute rushes at the end of the game. Not super happy about that. I hated the turnover. It's one of those plays where you're at the offensive blue line. You're trying to create a zone entry. You know that your your line is changing. You get the puck deep. Like It's a very simple thing. You don't need to make the extra play. You're against Dryside and McDavid. Don't be stupid. And he tried to make the fancy play, and it didn't work. Josh Anderson is not a zone entry genius. He's not Nick Suzuki. He doesn't get to make that play. But in regards to St. Louis throwing him back out there, that is kind of what we are all liking about St. Louis overall, right? Is He's giving players chances. He's not punishing them for mistakes. So in a season where the Canadians aren't supposed to win a lot, you know, the playoffs aren't necessarily the goal, even though the players will talk about they want to make the playoffs. Of course they do. But for the organization, it's not entirely important for them to get two points. I prefer St. Louis' approach of give the player a chance to make up for it rather than sit him on the bench. Now, by that same notion, I would sit Joel Edmonds in the next game. <laughs> I know that's inconsistent, but one is like, a bad decision trying to do something useful and the other is just pure dumb making a decision yes right like i think with josh anderson and and i feel like you know what's interesting is that i think he struggled this year but you said his underlying numbers are not that bad so we'll get back to that in a second but i think people think that josh anderson has the ability to do that zone entry thing just because he just skates faster than everyone and just barrels down the ice and he's big so you get out of his way like i really think that that's what it is I think it's exactly what you said. It's what things like it, it's what people like about Martin Saint Louis. It's who he is. He gives people chances, and he's showing the younger players that even a veteran like Josh Anderson can make mistakes and find his way back. I, I think the problem with Josh Anderson is that he's trying to do too much, and we've seen him do this before in this in this market on this team. We've seen him do it, and we've seen it not work. Like literally, we've seen it not work. He ends up making really boneheaded mistakes. Like he tries to play above his own ability and I, I think you know that's that's for somebody like Nick Suzuki to do that's for somebody like Cole Caulfield to do somebody like Josh Anderson he can't like the rest of his talent is not good enough to um, make up for his deficiencies as a player so when he tries to pull something like that it ends up backfiring whereas Joel Edmondson making the decision to do something that he knew was wrong like that to me that is an immature bad decision that hurt your team like that, him I would bench for sure. Well, and I think that's also like he was already pissed because he'd taken a penalty earlier in the game that he didn't view as a penalty, which I believe also had put the Canadians down five on three, if I if I remember correctly. He, it was either the first penalty or the second penalty. But why is and that Zach Hyman? Zach Hyman's. Fault? It's not Zach Hyman's fault, right? It's just a frustrated player who wants to make an impact on the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, so Arbor Jack I took a tripping penalty on McDavid at the end of the first period, and then right at the beginning of the third period, Edmondson took a high-sticking call against Leon Dreisaitl. Man, the McDavid and Dreisaitl just completely Bartling owning this hat. game. Everything <laughs> about this game was McDavid and Dreisaitl. McDavid took two penalties, he drew two or three penalties, scored two goals, Dreisaitl got a goal and three assists, uh, McDavid also got two assists, like, wild how much those guys can impact one team you talk about one bad team like yeah one bad play (laughs) but those two guys are just out of this world crazy good uh but yeah obviously he was frustrated he took it out on hyman like he gave him a cross check once in the shoulder that kind of like rode up a little bit and he got away with that and then he's like i'm just gonna hit you again i don't know if he missed or if he meant to cross check him in the side of the head but uh, he finished it like he didn't hold up once he realized what he'd done. He rubbed him right into the boards, and you can't, you can't do, you can't do that. It's just stupid. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think Joel Edmondson. I wanted to give him as much time as he could to like figure it out and get his feet under him after all the time he's missed over the last year and, and a bit here, but. He's not earning his ice time right now. And if the rookies who are on the rotation weren't rookies, it would be very difficult to justify why he's staying in and those guys are rotating out. Yeah, I would absolutely, I would absolutely agree with you. I just, I find that the thing is too, is that, it's partly his reputation, right? When he arrived in, in Montreal, people thought, all right, he's just like a shutdown, stay at home, waste of waste of cap and whatever. And he really turned out to be versatile. He really, really found his own on this team alongside Jeff Petrie, right? Like, and then you, you could see him contribute and we were all pleasantly surprised. So like in our minds, particularly with the defense being what it is, we thought he's one of the better defensemen on this team. So he's kind of a victim of the reputation that we created for him, but he's not doing himself any favors at the same time. I think that's, that's the issue there. I don't know that I would trade him necessarily right now, unless there is a market for him, but I, I think that, you know, he needs to figure it out before he starts influencing the younger, the rookies in a negative way, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's less about influencing the rookies in a negative way in in so far as it's like the rookies starting to see they get to sit out while he gets to continue to play like garbage and doesn't have to sit out, right? Yeah. And that can lead to more like attitude problems and like disbelief in what they're trying to do here. And there's a question here from uh, Tan Mender saying, uh, do you think the defense rotation is messing with the chemistry between pairings? I don't know about chemistry, but what I will say is I don't think it's sustainable at all long-term because the Canadians this season have had one defense pairing that has consistently been excellent, and that was the Harris-Kovacevic pairing. And since that rotation started, I think... Jacai has actually grown a little bit and gotten better, but both Harris and Kovacevic have started to struggle more and they're not playing together anymore. And that to me is like, you're messing with a good thing for no reason other than keeping vets in the lineup. And at the end of the day, what's going to be the difference between your return if you trade Joel Edmondson now versus at the deadline when teams have had more time to see him play underwhelming hockey right it's probably not going to be that big because we saw with Sherratt last year he was terrible most of the year and they still got a crazy return for him so like work the phones now trade out a veteran now and get the kids in the lineup who are actually there to play and let them continue to build up their game or you're gonna have to send somebody down to Laval I always want to say in my head send them down to Hamilton just because like that was it was Hamilton for so long. I still right? say that. I still sometimes say that by mistake. Uh, even though on this on our podcast we cover the Laval Rocket, so um, I, I do want to say one thing though is that I think and you said we were going to allude to it. Uh, Kent Hughes is on the record saying that he's working the phones. He was on, um, yeah. I think Tony Marinero's podcast or something. I, I can't remember which one was which. One went on the Knuckles podcast. One went on the Marinero podcast on the Sick podcast. 
And uh, he said that he he's been talking to teams. He said, like, you know, in the past week alone, I've talked to like 30 or 31 GMs. Right. He's working the phones like crazy. I think the market is kind of in the toilet right now. It's apprehensive because you saw at the trade deadline, all those high prices. You saw even at the draft, those high returns and then free agency open. And then all of a sudden market value went down for your veteran players, for most players. I mean, Max Pacioretty was traded for nothing. Right. So you see that and you see you see, you see what the market is. And I think like a lot of GMs are kind of waiting it out and seeing, you know, I don't want to I don't want to give away my players. And also, like, there's so many teams that are up against the cap is the issue, too. Right. Like the yeah. cap is a huge deterrent. But I think people are just kind of like, you know, I want to give up this player, but I don't want to give him up for nothing. I want to get assets, right? So Kent Hughes is calling everybody, but if they don't have anything they want to give him, or if they're refusing to give him enough because the market right now is is such that there's not a whole lot of return. But I, you know, I have faith in his ability to trade and I have faith in his ability to determine a decent return based on what we've seen in the short time that he's been the general manager. Like I, I do think that. So I think the problem is probably that he's not seeing the return that would make the haves better long-term. Like, you know, we got Sean Monaghan in exchange for, or no, sorry, we got a first rounder, whatever the conditions of that trade was. There's like in a exchange, thousand, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, in exchange, like, yeah, the Bible of conditions, in exchange for taking on Sean Monaghan's contract, right? So, like, there are assets out there, but I think essentially the market right now is set in an unfavorable way for teams that are trying to sell. And then once you get to the trade deadline, once you see a team that maybe didn't expect to contend and was selling assets is like now, Oh no, like we sold this, this defenseman or this, you know, support player. And now we need them. I think that's going to increase the demand. But for now it's exactly like you said, you know, like if he keeps playing this terrible brand of hockey, an underwhelming brand of hockey, as you put it, you're much nicer than I am. You have the reputation for not being nice, but um, if he keeps playing that, like his value will be in the toilet anyway, right? I mean, I thought that about Sherratt last year, and at the end of the day, I think a lot of GMs remember that cup run, and they're like, "Oh, big defenseman did good defense," and don't remember that it was Carey Price stopping ridiculous chances all game long. So I, my guess is, whenever they do trade Edmondson, because he has a year left, I know that. Uh, Jim Matheson, everybody's favorite Twitter account, was saying that the Oilers are in on Matheson. That they're thinking about Matheson trading. Matheson or Edmondson? Oh, sorry, not Matheson. Edmondson. The Edmondson. Oilers are in on Edmondson, kicking tires on him. Go for so, it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Perfect. I mean, I mean, all... Edmondson, Edmonton, it's written in the stars. Exactly. He could go reunite with Brett Kulak. And all the Canadians' trades with Edmonton seem to work out swimmingly. So why not? Uh, it seems like a great idea. Um, Trizak says a chance that Edmondson is playing injured. I think yes, in terms of his back is what it is. And it's probably never going to get better, but if he was decision-making, yeah, it's the decision-making more than anything. Cause like on the penalty kill, I think he's quite good still. It's at even strength. He's really struggling except for the whole taking a penalty while already on the penalty kill twice tonight. But, uh, Overall, um, I think if he was in a situation where missing games would make him play better, he wouldn't be playing because they have too many defensemen up with the big club right now already. They have a rotation of players that are better than Vincent has been this year. So I don't know. I don't think injury can really be an excuse at this point. He's been back long enough that like the rust should be wearing off. Matheson was out longer to start the year and his rust is gone, even though like obviously Matheson has a much higher ceiling, but it, it's an interesting situation to keep apprised of. Um, overall, I don't think it's likely that we'll see something happen soon. Uh, Sarah Y reminds us that the trade freeze is coming up soon for the holidays. You never really want to trade somebody right before the holidays anyway. It's kind of a, a douchey move to do. And I think that a dick move. Yeah, and Kent Hughes just seems to be very like cognizant of treating his players correctly, especially guys who are like leaders on the team that have some tenure on the team. So I it just doesn't seem very likely, but they've got to figure out something, I think. Not even in terms of wins and losses, but just getting their young defensemen playing time. I don't yes. think sitting out 
as often as it has been happening is good for guys like Jordan Harris. I absolutely agree with you. And I think like, it's kind of one of those things where they have an embarrassment of riches in terms of young defensemen, but how are you supposed to know if they're going to play together, right? Like if, if you want these guys to be your future, you need to know who's the odd man out. Do they fit together? Do they have chemistry? Do they fall, you know, do they, do they fall under the categories that you want? Do they, um, do they share the vision, right? Can they execute your game plan? And if you don't put them together, you don't, you don't know that. But I, I think that's a great point that you made about Kent Hughes, because I think that that's long game thinking, right? Like if everybody feels like if they're in a market like Montreal, they're going to be respected by their front office and treated well. I think that that's good for attracting free agency. That's good to get a guy to maybe take 500,000 less a year, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I don't think that, and I, I want to go on the record as to saying, you know, like I'm always in, in the corner of the worker and I don't think you should take less than you're worth, but let's be honest, some contracts are inflated. So like if a guy wants to take a $500,000 discount because like being in Montreal is a good situation for them, I love that. And I think that, you know, Kent Hughes building a reputation like that is is really, really positive in the long term. I saw you make a face and I don't know if you read like a stat or something that like <laughs> was eye opening or if it was just a fun question or comment. Oh, no. Somebody in the chat here that I'm assuming is is trolling because at first they were saying like, you know, Jack, I should never be scratched. He was the best Habs D-man tonight, which I, I disagree with. I think he was good, but mostly because he was playing with uh, Matheson in terms of like his underlying numbers and like it, it was good. He, he scored a goal. It was fun, but never be scratched again. I think he's the fourth best rookie of the four rookies that they have so far this year uh, on defense. He just has like a quality that makes him stand out in terms of his physical intimidation, his it's, presence. He's got a presence. Right? Yeah. He, he does have a presence and he's already a folk hero. So I know why people love him, but then the person followed up and said, Matheson was a train wreck tonight and Harris is AHL material. And I'm like, Okay. I That's don't know what you probably watched, trolling, but, it's not, but you haven't been yeah, watching the Canadians. We do get comments like that about Jordan Harris, to be honest. And I think Jordan Harris kind of suffers from Jeff Petrie syndrome. Um, no, I, I don't think it's 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 comparable. I think the thing with, with Jordan Harris is that his his game, his skill, his value lies in not being noticed. Yeah. Right? And so he's playing well when he's not being noticed and we're not, we're not, you know, it's not visual. He's not throwing himself on the ice to block a shot. Although he did do that. I believe last game um, he's not doing those things, right? He's just quietly improving the possession. He's just quietly keeping the puck out of the net. He's keeping, you know, the, the other team around the permit perimeter and stuff like that. Like, I think he's so, so good at that, but that's a very unheralded game. And we do sometimes see people just say that he's trash or he's at a, he's, he's not good enough for the NHL or that he's AHL material or that he's not good. And I think he's actually quietly, if you, if you put him in that, you know, second pairing fourth role or whatever it is, I think he's like one of the best, you know, he's, he's a really good defenseman. It's just, he's, you have to contextualize it with his skill set. You can't just be like he's a, like, he's not going to be a Caden Gooley type player. He's not going to be a Kale McCarr. Like that's that's never going to happen. He's just a steady, keep the puck out of the net, cerebral, smart, intelligent defenseman that sees the play two steps ahead, just like Nick Suzuki does. It's just that usually Nick Suzuki creates offense, and Jordan Harris stifles the opponent, and that's yeah. the difference. I think. I see Jordan Harris as like a slightly better Brett Kulak where when he's on the ice, the team scores more and gets scored on less, but he's but you don't not see him do it. Yeah. He's not going to be highly involved like in a very visual way, offensively or defensively. I think that uh, Harris's skating can like, he can be seen in the offensive zone, but because he's not a great finisher, oftentimes people see plays like dying on his stick more often than a guy like Jack guy who has a killer shot and he'll get pucks through, but you kind of ignore the fact that he's not as able to get the puck into the offensive zone as a guy like Harris is. Harris is a facilitator, right? He's, he's a guy that does all the little things really well. Uh, it's a comparison that I know a lot of people won't like, but he reminds me a little bit of Victor Mete who, while he was on the ice, when he was young with the Canadians, way fewer goals against, way more goals for and his own point production was like zero 
<laughs> he just like couldn't be one of the last two people or three people to touch the puck, but he did everything to make goals happen and keep goals against down, uh, except for being terrible in front of his own net physically because he was like very easily outmuscled. But Jordan Harris has been very physical this year, but yeah, he, he's not as good right now playing spot duty as he was as a trusted second pairing defender. And I think that's, that's an issue looking forward. And Noel asked if we could talk about Jake Allen. I want to ask the chat how they feel about Jake Allen. So like, let, let me get your comments because I don't think Jake Allen could be blamed for this game at all. I think that his game against Calgary was fantastic, so but I wouldn't have played him in this game because I just think he needs more rest. And I know it's not a huge, you know, it's only one one or two days between games, but it's not a back-to-back or anything. But I, I just don't think we need to be pushing Jake Allen into the 55 games a season style schedule when Sam Montembeau has been so spectacular all season long. I agree. I think, you know, we're all on the record uh, as saying Samuel Montembeau should get more starts. I think you have to remember about uh, Jake Allen. And this is something where people are like, oh, it's off the ice. He has a newborn at home. Like the man is tired, right? Yep. And he played really well to start the season. He's had stretches of inconsistency in his career before. But overall, he's definitely a more consistent goaltender, I would say. Last year, it was nightmare with injuries and bad luck and all of that. I do think that he's the last game. And I think probably in tonight's game, I'm just thinking about the number of, of penalties that the Canadians had to kill, right? He's not a Carey Price penalty killer. He's a serviceable goaltender. He played really well against Calgary. He would have been capable of of winning this game if it wasn't for all that other external factors. I just think that you play Samuel Montalvo. You've got, you know, you've got four games in five nights, six nights, whatever it is. So, you know, like you've got a back-to-back coming up, Vancouver and Seattle. Like you need to play Samuel Montalvo. Like I would have done Allen, Montalvo, Montalvo, Allen. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I like understand from like St. Louis perspective. Like I'm sure that like I was surprised that Allen got the start in Calgary just based on the play of him and Montembeau recently, but obviously he made a good call. I think Allen probably came to him and was like I need to start and to like clear the last few games off of my mind. Yes, makes and sense. our minds too. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? And you know, I think getting through a game without allowing a goal in the first couple of minutes you know, it, it, that's a good confidence booster for him, uh, getting him going in the right direction. Today sucks because, like, his numbers obviously are terrible from tonight. I think his save percentage was below 80. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Who you the expecting Jake Allen to stop Connor face. McDavid on a breakaway? The puck was constantly in his face. Yeah. I'm trying I to think even of, looked at the heat maps yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of a goal that happened in this game where I would expect Jake Allen to stop it. And, like, maybe the Darnell Nurse goal, you would want him to stop it 50 to 60% of the time. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's like in a game it's where rough. things are tight, and the, it, they were tight in this game, you want your goalie to make one of those spectacular saves and maybe that's what it was tonight this he didn't make any spectacular saves but expecting your goalie to always save your bacon is also like we're stuck in carry price mode right we watched him for so long play on these teams that couldn't score like for one like through the prime of carry price's or defend defend. yeah i believe it was like through the prime of carry price's career the canadians scored for him specifically just over two goals a game. Like, that's ridiculous. That's nothing. And in the playoffs, I believe it was under two goals a game. That's like, that's how you win a cup. Give us the win, Carrie. <laughs> Take it away. Like, Jake Allen's not going to be able to do that. Especially uh, playing a Carrie Price workload. Which I know he's not playing that much, but... I think he to give can him some stand rest. to play less. And I think Samuel Montambo is a big boy, he can take more. He's playing really well. I wouldn't overwork either goalie, but I would even it out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, Trezak rightly points out, McDavid scored a power play goal. I think it was five on three, where Allen didn't really move, but I don't think he saw the shot. I think it was a, it was a screen, which, frankly, I, I'm of two minds. How, how, how do you think about this, Laura? 
when a goalie is screamed on a shot, is your first reaction what to be like, uh, oh, they were screamed. How do you expect them to stop it? Or is like fight through the screen? I think it depends on the goalie, to be honest. Like I would expect a guy like, uh, like, um, uh, Carey Price, obviously, who's the one in Tampa who's the best goalie in the world now? Vasilevsky. Um, Vasilevsky, like somebody like Connor Hellebuck, I would be like, yeah, fight through the screen. But I think if you're just a general average goaltender, I blame your penalty killers. Why is there a guy in your butt? Why is yeah. it like, why is a guy's butt in your face? It's your penalty killers. It's like, like, why are you letting them near my goalie? Or why am I in the way of my goalie? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think defensive awareness is a huge thing, particularly on the penalty kill. So I don't, I think. When you're looking at your goaltender and you're like, is this guy one of the top three goaltenders in the world? Now, Connor Hellebuck is maybe, you know, but is, is this guy one of the top goaltenders in the world? Is this guy one of those people who's known for his vision, his his athleticism, his his quick thinking, all of that? And if it's not, if it's just some guy, if it's just like a guy, right? It's up to the defense, I think. Yeah, you got to give him a little bit of help. And frankly, we know the Canadians haven't given Jake Allen a a lot of help this year. I feel like there's there's some things that are missed by public metrics that I think the Canadians are like relatively good at. Like one thing that I continually talk about this year is like their battle level. Like guys like Savard, Edmondson, uh Gooley, Harris, Kovacevic, Jacky as well. They fight hard in front of the net to like get sticks on pucks, get in front of pucks to block shots that are in dangerous areas, to like deflect passes, even though they're not necessarily great at it. Um, like the like closing lanes, but like in that tight space in front, I think they're pretty good at like clearing pucks out to prevent second chances, kind of stuff in like a cycle or four check situation off the rush, a little bit weaker those things aren't captured very well by like expected goal metrics in the public sphere. So that kind of makes the Canadians look worse defensively than they actually are. But we, but we know just from watching them that they're not a great defensive team. Like they haven't given Allen and Montembeau that much help, which I think makes Montembeau look even more spectacular. And, and Allen's numbers, it just makes it look like a little bit more understandable. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's an interesting point. There are some, some, I think we can stand to, to collect other metrics than we already do. I'm, I'm always a proponent of getting as much information as you possibly can. I don't know how you would measure all of, I, I don't know how you'd measure battle level, to be honest. But I do, I do think, I, I would agree with you, is that, you know, I thought what you were going to say is the problem is the personnel just isn't good at that stuff. But you're, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily true. I think, I think the fact that they're put in that position because the rest of their game isn't as complete you know like there's no reason to give up so many rushes for example and so if off the rush they're weak right it's it, it makes a difference yeah i think it's also like how they have to create offense as a team where it's like the first line is the only one that can score it tends to give up more rush chances right they have to activate their d we know that st louis wants them to be aggressive but that aggressive posture can bite you and it has at times of the season, and there's times where they've gotten away with it, where their goaltenders have saved the day, or uh, things just haven't connected for the oppo- opposing team, like against Calgary. Um, Basic Habs fan says the best goalies also have great defenses. Tell that to Connor Hellebuck or Carey Price. It's, sometimes that's true. I think in terms of if you look at like the Martin best save Broder. percentages. Yeah. Mark you look Broder. At Broder. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan quick when he was considered a top goalie in the league. Yeah. It's because LA didn't allow any chances, like literally nothing. Like they were the best defensive team of that generation. Young Corey Crawford with the Blackhawks, similar situation. And the Blackhawks fell apart completely defensively. And Corey Crawford just ascended and became one of the best goaltenders in the league. Very weird situation. His career. But yeah, sometimes it's true, sometimes not always that true. Uh, Trizak says battle level is the most grr per 60. Yeah, 100%. Uh, everyone loves the goalies. Um, Noel says we have two backups. That's part of why I think they're wonderful. I think it's easy for people to fall in love with this team, right? Where they're following it. You got two go- goalies who are very lovable that like battle hard but aren't amazing. So it's easy to love those guys. And, you know, it's also, it's easy to love players in a situation where you're not expecting to be great, right? There's no big expectations. So you can forgive mistakes 
and love Jack Guy throwing Cassian all over the arena. Which is fun. That's the thing. It's like, I, I think it's very true. This team is a team where you, uh, I had this conversation with Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets, actually, like, he was talking about how the Blue Jackets are doing everything they can to make Jay hate them. And I was like, that's interesting because the Habs aren't winning very many games or, you know, they're winning more games than we thought, but they're doing everything they can to make us love them. Like, that's literally what the conversation was. And I think, you know, there's a lot of endearing stories. There's a lot of fun things to watch, right? Like the Canadians aren't going to be great, but it's entirely, entirely possible. Knock on wood. I don't want to jinx them with any injury or anything like that, but it's entirely possible that Cole Caulfield sniffs 40 goals, right? That's still something to watch up until it's out of the realm of possibility. That's still something that we can watch and love, right? It's really fun to find Nick Suzuki, get like, you know, find new gears in his offensive game. It's super fun to see Kirby Doc play really well on that line. It's going to be really fun if they decide, and they still haven't decided themselves, both Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes have talked about this, is that they still want to continue to develop him as a center. He's working out really well on that line, but they're still going to work on his on his uh, center skills, like all the flaws in his game that don't make him a complete center. Like that's going to be fun to watch too, right? Like all that stuff, like Sean Monaghan, like we didn't even know that he was going to play a game before November and he's contrib- contributed so much to the offense of this team. Right. So even like I'm hesitant to talk too much about Jake Evans, for example, he hasn't been as good as he's been in past years. Maybe he has been, and I just haven't noticed it, but you know, no, we yeah. always used to praise him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We always used to praise him. Right. Or even Christian Dvorak. He has, he's kind of been a non thing. Like I understand that he has a lot of value as a player. Like Christian Dvorak is, is somebody that I, I do root for, but they haven't really brought out that much, but then you put them all together and you, put like how how hard they fight every game even though like I would say that they didn't make an effort in two games total this entire season one of them was the one against Buffalo I didn't like it at all that was a terribly uninspired effort um and one of them was I want to say I can't remember one of the Columbus games maybe of the flat no the Flyers game was fun too they, they battled back for that one but there the were the first only Columbus games. game was pretty rough yeah there were only two no, games no. where I was like they didn't try the Columbus, the first Columbus game, I thought they were by far the better team, and just just like every chance that every Columbus got was like puck, a perfect yeah. bounce, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't that one. I didn't really like a- their effort against the Sharks. It, like they controlled the puck for mo- for the most part. Well, they did nothing with it. Yeah, they just stayed to the outside. They, I, I yeah, didn't I see like the drive it. in that yeah. game that I expected to see. But uh, overall, you're me. right. Most games, this team gives you an honest effort, which is what you really want to see. I think one thing that we haven't really talked about too much is like Cole Caulfield for Cole Caulfield has been pretty cold for a long stretch here now. I think we can he stop talking about how unsustained. I know he scored last night or not yeah. last night, but last. Oh, game. he's back. He he's he's regressing to the mean, and it's okay. Exactly. He's still on a good pace. <laughs> well, I think this is the thing that people don't get so far about Cole Caulfield is even last year. He didn't ever really get like crazy red hot, right? Like, you know, yeah. sometimes goal scorers go out there and they score like two goals, three goals, two goals, and it's just and like. And then you don't hear for them for a while. Yeah. Last year, he just scored consistently. It was like one goal, one goal, one goal, one game off, one goal, one goal, two games where he doesn't score, one goal, one goal, one goal. Like, he just finds ways to contribute in games, but lately he's had like a few more games in between his goals. And in doing that, he's only shooting 15% now. Which is pretty close to, like, I think the average for a player is 10 to 13%, right? Yeah, and I expect him to be around 15 to, like, 18 as, like, his prime shooting percentage. Just because his shot is so insane. Right. And he's not, like, he, I know he scored in the power play against Calgary, but for the most part in his career, he hasn't scored that much in the power play. So I expect his, like natural shooting percentage to be higher than it is right now and he's on pace for 40 goals more than 40 goals wow don't you just love cole caulfield who doesn't love cole caulfield imagine covering a team that doesn't have nick suzuki and cole caulfield right imagine that couldn't be me there are people who don't like cole caulfield they know who they are and they are miserable people yeah we don't need all of them cheer for the leafs Oh, the Leafs fans who thought Nick Robertson would be better than Cole Caulfield. I'm still waiting for Nick Robertson to play games. Yes, this is true. Healthy scratch Nick Robertson. You know what? The Canadians should save him. Yes. Bring him over here and he can play with Cole Caulfield when Doc goes back to center. There you go. 
All right. Uh, that's all I had for this game, Laura. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks to of everyone course. who came and hang out with us because it's always fun to chat with you people in, uh, oh, I shouldn't say you people. I'll get canceled like Don Cherry, according to the right wingers who have no idea what context means. Um, yeah, always fun to chat with everyone in the chat. Always fun to chat with you, Laura. Before we close things out, can you tell everybody where to find your stuff? So I am one of the hosts of Locked On Canadians. We are a five-day-a-week show about the Montreal Canadiens with my co-host Scott Matla. You should join us. We're available literally everywhere you get your podcasts. And we also uh, do our podcasts on YouTube as well. So you can watch us if you like. Uh, thank you so much for doing that for those of you who do. I know there's there's some people that listen to both. Uh, and we love you guys extra. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. Oh, and I guess before we close things out, if there's anybody here who's a Leafs fan, go check out the uh, Game Over Toronto stream where Arda Ocal from... ESPN is guesting on the show and he's giving away a Leafs reverse retro jersey. So you go there, there's a pinned comment with a form that you can fill out, just you know where to send it, your name, and you could win a Leafs jersey. And hey, even if you're not a Leafs fan, maybe you could win it. And then uh, I don't know. Taunt Leafs fans. I literally, yeah. as you were talking, I was like, I'm going to go sign up for this. I'm going to win it and then I'm going to keep it like hidden in a drawer somewhere and taunt Leafs fans with the or, idea of it. you know, use it as a present for a Leafs fan friend that you like. Why would I be friends with Leafs fans? <laughs> Steve? We love Steve. We can put like... Get we it, also love Adam. Win it and then print it was 4-1 on there and send <gasps> it to Steve. Or 3-1, yes. sorry. It was 3-1. That would be perfect. It was 3-1. But yeah, check that out. Uh, the Leafs lost tonight to the Lightning in overtime, which is hilarious. Happened to be seven goals. Always in seven, <laughs> Leafs. But, uh, yeah. I know Mitch Marner also broke the point streak record for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah go check out... Uh, him too. Yeah. Go check out Game Over Toronto. Have some fun over there after we close out, because I know they had, like, a 30-minute uh, pregame ceremony today because they think they're the Montreal Canadiens, but... Uh, Montreal Canadiens make a pass around one. This is true. (laughs) All right, everybody. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you. Well, I won't see you for a bit. It's Mark Dumas hosting the next couple of shows because the Canadians are going out west. I will see you, I believe, next Saturday. So uh, enjoy Mark. And uh, hey, go back and watch his interview with Kat Toffoli because that was really fun. Dodger Toffoli shows up at one point as well. So enjoy it. See you next time. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.